Grace, peace, and mercy be upon you on this Trinity Sunday. From God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do superheroes have family reunions? Yes? Well, they don't seem to have any family. No husband, no wife, no children, no siblings, or even childhood friends. Maybe they have a sidekick. That's about it. Okay, Superman had parents on Krypton and in North Dakota. But the rest of the superheroes, they, they tend to be rugged individualists, alone, fighting alone for their cause. It's not good, though, for a person to be alone, even a made-up superhero. So through Jesus' discourse with the Jews, who wouldn't believe him, God shows his nature as three persons in one God, that we may not be me, but we with him. Do you remember not long ago, I was talking about that Frank Sinatra song, My Way? Remember when I was, you know, talking about that? Well, you know, there's another song just like it. Almost as bad. Not bad musically, or not bad singer-wise, but lyrics-wise. I was talking with Ellen, Ellen's husband, Al, at an awards banquet not too long ago, and Al likes the song, My Way, you know, which is fine. I, I know a lot of people like it. It's an old standard, but while we were talking about it, I was trying to remember that there's this other song from around the same time period that's very similar to it, and I couldn't remember what it was. But I was, as I was preparing this for this day, it, it came to me because the word me triggered it in my memory. Do you know what the song is now? It's got me in the title. Sammy Davis Jr., 1968. I've got to be me. There you go. I've got to be me. Yeah, well, he was a fine singer and all, but, and the song has a memorable tune, but listen to the words. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether I find a place in this world or never belong, I gotta be me. What else can I be but what I am? I want to live, not merely survive, and I won't give up this dream of life that keeps me alive. I gotta be me. The dream that I see makes me what I am. That faraway prize, a world of success, is waiting for me if I heed the call. I won't settle down, won't settle for less, as long as there's a chance that I can have it all. <laughs> I'll go it alone, and that's how it must be. It can't, uh, I can't be right for somebody else if I'm not right for me. Daring to try to do it or die, I've got to be me. Wow. Sounds rugged and, and individualist, doesn't, doesn't it? It's, but, uh, you know, in, 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 light of, <laughs> in light of what God wants us to be, 
He doesn't want, I gotta be me. We is better than me because it is not good to be alone. Some of us want to be alone. I need my alone time as much as the next person. But when you never or hardly ever want to be around other people, that's not why God made you. Even some of the great poems of history have something to say about individualism. You may have heard the phrase, no man is an island, yeah. There's more to it. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. Well, if you were to put that poem to words, it'd be just the opposite of, I gotta be me. No man is an island. When one person dies, it reminds us all that humanity is dying. The wages of sin is death, as Paul says in his letter to the Christians in Rome. To be alone is, in some ways, to die. But let's take our eyes off ourselves And look to God. What is He like? Well, He's not a me. Our God is not a rugged individualist. Because our sin can drive us to be rugged individualists, disconnected from each other. We assume God is too. He's out there in the heavens, alone, watching us making judgments, but leaving us to make the mistakes and suffer the consequences. We speak of our Lord as God, Him, He, One. Then on Trinity Sunday, as in today, we squish three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, into this one rugged individual God. But let's remember, in Eden, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Man was created male and female, one and yet two. In marriage, the two become once more one because it was not good, the Lord said, for the man to be alone. Now, one doesn't have to get married these days to not be alone. You can have a friend in life or friends and not be alone. But in the way God created the relationship between Adam and Eve and in the way he made them, he makes his nature known to us. He reveals it to us. And God is not a me. He is a we. The Father brings about the Son through whom comes the Spirit. Yet they are one. But not a me. Having a hard time understanding this? You're not alone. (laughs) So did the Jews. They had a hard time understanding Jesus as son of the Father because they couldn't let go of their understanding of God, which was monotheistic, you know, one God. He is the Lord God. He is one. Muslims struggle with Jesus as son too. Well, actually, they don't struggle with it. 
they flat out reject it. They flat out reject that Jesus is the Son of God. That God could even have a son would be a laughable concept to Muslims if it were not so offensive. Likewise, Jesus' use of the divine name for himself was so repulsive to the Jews in Jerusalem. How can Jesus be the I am? You know, the name that God told Moses when Moses said, Lord, the people are going to ask me. They want to know who sent me to deliver them out of Egypt. What, what shall I tell them? God says, I am who I am. Go tell them that. But revealed throughout Scripture is a mysterious wonder. I am who I am is, in fact, three persons. I am is the Lord God, the Father, who brings about the Son, Jesus, through whom comes the Holy Spirit. And it sounds like a train of birth or existence, as if the Father existed first, and then Jesus was born, and from Jesus, from His body, comes the Holy Spirit. But all three have always been and always will be. They're eternally who they are, together as one. A little cartoon I saw the other day showed God standing at the counter of a Starbucks or something, and there was a sign on the counter which read, one free coffee per person. God says to the barista, so I guess I'll take three free coffees. If God were to visit a Starbucks, he could also order one coffee and all three persons would drink of it. It is a mystery how God is three persons in one God. What's less of a mystery and more of a tragedy, however, is that old evil enemy, Satan, enemy of God and enemy of mankind, would have us be by ourselves. Islands, disconnected, kept apart, especially us Christians, whom he wants to devour. And we listen to him sometimes, more like act on the sinful impulses within us, which tell us we can be free to do what we want. I got to be me because God is alone and we can be too then. To be like him is to be me. I've got to be me. But this is a lie. God speaks to us through His Word so that we would know the Father through the Son, Jesus. They know each other perfectly because they are one. The Father freely sends His Son into the world on Christmas to save us from sin and death and Satan. The Son willingly gives up His life on a cross on Good Friday to free you and me from death. The Spirit is breathed out on Pentecost so that He would live in us and that we would have faith to grasp on to that promise. By the power of the Spirit, we keep the Father's Word, Jesus, in us. It's not good to be alone. 
alone is to die. The superhero of the Bible, unlike the superheroes of fiction, is not alone. Jesus does not stand alone by himself. He's glorified by his Father and the Holy Spirit. What does this all mean for you and me? Well, many things, but I'll give you one. God is good. And that may sound basic or simple, but I say it because I just spent three days in Portland with my colleagues in worship, prayer, and listening to some pretty compelling responses to questions asked by the Barna Group to young Christians 18 to 31 years old. For the benefit of those who might not know what the Barna Group is, it's a Christian research group that does polling across the country, like Pew Research, you may have heard of that, tracks and analyzes trends in the church and shares data with the churches, like ours, to help us do ministry in an increasingly challenging world. Anyway, Barna interviews hundreds of thousands of young Christians and finds they have questions that we all expect them to have and that we have ourselves, like, what does the Bible say about suicide? What does the Bible have to say about racism? What does the Bible have to say about violence and murder? What does the Bible say if I'm a female, but I feel like I'm a male? What does the Bible say if I was born with a body that isn't described like a male or female's body? What does the Bible say about abortion? What does the Bible say about doubt in God? What does the Bible say about relationships? What does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say about divorce? What does the Bible say about sexuality? What does the Bible say about depression and anxiety? All of those questions and more. Barna has learned the chief concern among young people today atop all those other concerns I just mentioned is, is Christianity good? Is God good? That's what our two youngest generations want to know. We could say to them, Yes, God is good, but it's not going to satisfy. The answer comes through the person of Jesus Christ and to sit at his feet and let him teach you. The answer is revealed in his word and his promises. And Christians who want to know if God is good and that if the church is good will know it when they see their fellow Christians act on God's love and show it. Demonstrate it. Live it out. As in the love for one another that Jesus says we are to have, as I spoke about last Sunday. I'm on a shuttle bus from the Doubletree Hotel to the convention center Thursday, and we drive past the Red Robin on the corner of Northeast Grand and Multnomah. It's open, but it's got graffiti all over it, so it's not very inviting looking to go into. And as we drive by it, I'm looking in the small parking lot in the back, and I see four or five people in there, a young woman and maybe three or four 
uh, other guys. And they're all doing the fentanyl dance. The methamphetamine in their system is causing them to lose control of their normal body functions, and so they're twitching and twisting and convulsing a bizarre dance. I don't know how else to describe it. And I'm thinking, man, to step into the middle of that, to introduce the Word of God into that situation, to bring healing and hope, try to imagine what that would be like. It seems dangerous because there are fears. Jesus Christ stepped into scenes like that. There were mind-altering drugs in his time too, but the people he brought healing to weren't doing the opioid dance. They were doing the demonic dance. Funny thing is, the Jews accused Jesus of having a demon for bringing healing and hope to demoniacs. But Jesus answered their accusation directly. I do not have a demon, he says. And he didn't answer with a parable. He answered directly. I do not have a demon. Of course, Jesus doesn't have a demon. He's good. He's the embodiment of goodness. He's perfectly good. And he's everything that is good. He is one and he is not alone. It is not good for you and me to be alone. Thanks be to our God and three persons, we are not alone. To be alone is to die, and that is not good. God wants us to live. He made us to live. He made us to live with Him and be loved by Him and to love one another and be loved by one another. And with His love, we can love. It's not good to be alone and love only yourself. Worse, to be alone and hate yourself. But we are never alone. When Jesus says, I am, He speaks as one with the Father who sent Him to us. And one with the Spirit who creates faith in us to believe. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the door to heaven and eternal life. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen.